Yeah, so we break down the $2 billion podcast industry, how big it is, where you can access it, who's doing really well, who's not, and how we are planning to break into this $2 billion podcast world. Welcome to the Chief Optimization Officers podcast. Lovely to see you again. In this episode, we're going to be talking podcasts and in particular what we've been doing here on this podcast and opening up the lid onto the inside of the mechanics of what's been working for us and what hasn't. Talking about podcasts today is a good topic because especially related to pandemic stuff as well because the podcast industry has just gone crazy. Yeah, 1.4 billion last year, $2 billion dollars. It's going to be worth this year. Next year, who knows, right? I think we were quite strategic starting from the get-go as to what we wanted to get out of this, doing this podcast for ourselves and for our businesses and everything, because we tuned into kind of what what was going on in the industry. And I think it would be good to kind of talk about some of that and what's going on as well, but also just kind of cover as well ideas for what, what happens next. <laughs> How do we monetize this? Just throw some figures around it. So uh, should we cover, just to give us a bit of a framework, number of hours that typically go into podcast production, like end-to-end, what that process looks like, some approximate costs around it, and then potentially what the size of the prize is. And then that kind of defines optimization. You're trying to like do as few hours here for as many pounds over here. That's what optimization means in this. This is the fourth podcast I've produced. <laughs> Sorry to say, like, <laughs> you're, not, you're not the first. So this is number four for me. Uh, I thought I was special, Vicky. <laughs> And um, the first podcast I ever did was my own one. So that was hard learning curve. And if anyone's listening to this thinking, yeah, I want to do my own podcast, I would I would highly recommend going to find Anna Parker Naples book, Podcast with Purpose, because it's a really great inspirational book that helps you kind of get started and think about your why behind doing it, because you've got to have a why. Sitting down and recording yourself talking for half an hour to an hour on your own. It's pretty hard work. If you're not used to doing it, you've got to write a script up front and then you've got to write titles and decide what you want to talk about. So they're things people will actually want to sit and listen to you talk about for half an hour to an hour. And then you need to learn the tech if you're not going to employ someone else to do it. So how do you record? How do you edit? Where do you upload your podcast to? How does it get fed out? into the podcast network so people can see it pop up on their apps on their phones so that beginning phase I would say you could be spending anything from half a day to a day per episode in the beginning especially if you're newbies so I think you you need to take that into account I certainly was I it would take me a really long time to record and a really long time to edit because in the beginning I just couldn't talk properly I um uh um you know uh um uh and it forced me to write a script but the scripts took a long time to write after that as well so I think over time you can if you optimize it spend I don't know let's just talk it down by a month right if you want to put out one podcast episode a week you need a title so you need to sit and brainstorm those titles that shouldn't just be off the cuff that should be things that you really know your audience are going to resonate with topics that they're going to engage with and taking time to really brainstorm those titles the 80 20 principle coming into play here is okay it's okay so I'd, I'd put at least a couple of hours every month if not more thinking about those and then you've got to write the outlines 
for each episode. I've done the rock up and just talk option. I've done the fully writing a script option. And I've done the half-assed prepared option, which is what we're doing at the moment. But I think that that works. If we scripted this, I don't think it would work. So there's these, these buckets, isn't there, of types of content when you look at what's successful out there. You have expert who's just giving expert opinion. You have curious onlooker who's like Joe Rogan trying to figure something out and and he does sort of like expert interviews. You have people that are finding new and exciting things and trying to share news, essentially. I think it comes back to what we were saying the other day. You don't, don't start a podcast to start a podcast. Start a podcast because you've got something interesting and worthwhile to say. And I think that's, I hope that is why our podcast is sort of semi-interesting or at least interesting to us is, is we... I typically spend 10-15 minutes where we just go what what's interesting right now that we'd like to talk about we have a few bullet points around it and then because these are things we are working on or interested in we share them I think what we're sharing is an interesting journey interesting stuff that we're working on like that's kind of our vibe and we're trying to share that or we are sharing the lessons that we've learned along the way and what we think is the right direction what works what doesn't work and, and useful frameworks around it that works for us because uh, we're both motor mouth. I think we both like talking a lot about business and tech. And also as well, we want to do that on an ongoing basis, right? And I think if you are thinking about launching a podcast and it's it's a very specialist niche, I can't release 50 episodes, 52 episodes a year. And actually it's going to be more useful just putting things out in series. That's also okay as well. That wouldn't suit me though with you. <laughs> No, so so let's let's tell people exactly how we do it. We do these little brainstorm, you know, brain fart <laughs> sessions where we go right. This is what we want to talk about. We use Riverside to record, so that literally requires setting up a studio. There's a free trial, and then we use a paid version of it. That ends up with a recording. We then hire an editor who looks after it all for us. Thank you very much, Brian. You're a legend. Thank you, Brian. We really appreciate you. He then basically removes all the ums and ums and improves the production value. Probably does a lot more than that. Besides, but he does. Uh, that's his role. <laughs> And then we end up then with a file that, you know, gets the thumbnail if it's going onto YouTube and whatever else and a bit of text and it gets uploaded to, uh, where are we hosting it? It's on Captivate at the moment, but, well, I'm very tempted to move over to Anchor FM as well. To to this point, actually, let's just quickly break there because we have chosen YouTube first as our main platform for the podcast. Which, for anyone listening to this, you might be listening to it on a, an iPhone, Android phone or whatever, using Spotify or, or the, the iTunes podcast app, and thinking, oh, this is on YouTube. Yeah, so come and find us. <laughs> we'll, put it, we'll put the link in the show notes. Come and find us. You can actually see us and see how beautiful we are. <laughs> <laughs> the decision to do YouTube first, for me, when I approached you and said I want to do a podcast and I want to film it, I knew you'd say yes because we're both fans of like the similar podcasts that are on YouTube as well, like My First Million. All hell, Sam and Sean. Yeah, yeah. Like, good lads, good lads. Actually, when I looked through my subscription list in my YouTube account, oh my God, I'm, I, I'm subscribed to so many podcasts. Like Steve O's Wild Ride. That's one of my favourite. I really like that guy from Jackass. Uh, Gary V, obviously, he takes most of his content and puts it on a podcast. So it's very video first. Diary of a CEO. Stephen Bartlett. Uh, yeah, Stevie B. Apprentice of Sean Puri from My First Million. Is he? He was, yeah. He um, he went and worked at Monkey Inferno, well, when he was 19, 20. <gasps> That's a top fact. Yeah, and then... Uh, 
I was going to have his own success besides. I think Sean Pierre is quite clear about this. Like he didn't, he said, nah, I just spotted some good talent and he went and smashed it. Nothing to do with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. worked together. It's a, it's a small world when you start seeing, you know, the quote unquote successful. And we should probably define that as well. Sorry, go on. Who else are you subscribed to? Well, even Adam Buxton, I think he's a proper podcasting daddy. He's just started putting clips of episodes on his youtube channel now as well so he's not he's not been able to resist the woo <laughs> the the lure of youtube i think the the difference between having a youtube podcast and just a standard audio podcast is the power of people being able to see you and stephen bartlett from the outset went on went and did a, a youtube channel first like he that's what that, he set up a lovely studio and did all of that stuff and everything but it just turns out that podcasting is the most popular on YouTube. Who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? <laughs> right. Let's talk about that production value bit. So we we described roughly the the process. You know, we're talking about three four hours a week tops, like tops of our time plus what we pay an editor, which is a reasonable amount of money. Like as you'd expect to pay an editor. I won't give a specific pricing out there, but I think if you were looking to pay. 250-ish an episode, you wouldn't be a million miles off-ish. Plus or minus a standard deviation, depending on where your editors and, and what else are located. Plus then you've got a team that are going to put it live and create all the other bits. So, you know, not an insignificant cost to put an episode live. But if you compare that to other media, you know, long form text, um, short form stuff, tweets, social posts and everything else, the cost of getting that content out there is much higher. I mean, we, we end up at the end of this with an hour of stuff, which is probably not as condensed value. It's certainly not as condensed value. It's probably like 20%, 80-20, 20, 20% of it gives you 8% of the value. But the fact is, it's a really quick way of us getting a lot of content together that can be repurposed and reused and we should talk about why that's useful as well do we want to talk about the size of the prize i've got some figures here of you know well what does good look like then just to aim at something you you how big did you say the total podcasting market was worth now a couple of billion two billion this year yeah two billion right so here i've got the joe rogan experience Obviously, we know Mr. Beast, who is not a podcaster, but we, we spoke about the size of him with it. He's multi-million pounds. Is he worth over a billion pounds now? Uh, business. Joe Rogan is making, according to this one article, which may or may not be uh, accurate, $800,000 an episode, and he's doing three a week. Uh, he takes another $16,500 to... $250,000 per month from YouTube, uh, Chapo Trap House, which has 32,874 patrons, apparently, presumably through Patreon or something similar, makes around $150,000 a month. Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income, he has two podcasts. Most popular one doesn't sell ads, but together, yeah, they're making over 100000 per month in affiliate revenue. That's really, really insightful. We'll talk about how you revenue. Make, make money. The last podcast on the left has 11,290 listeners, subscribers, around $50,000 or $60,000 a month. Tiny Meat Gang making about $50,000 a month, whoever those guys are. The H3 podcast, half a mil a month. The Ringer earns $15 million from podcast advertisements. I think that's per random. So let's just say these people aren't going hungry. Are they all mixed, though, on YouTube or other podcast platforms? Though? I don't know. don't know what this article said. But I guess, I think that's important, is from that media. like, and And it's interesting, isn't it, how 
we we start to assign that same media like a different value depending on how it's consumed, whether it's on audio only. Okay, but like you mentioned Joe Rogan, right? He sold that podcast to Spotify for 200 million. He sold it. That that was the deal. 200 million dollars, right? That I do, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. But I think the reason it was so high was cuz he was going to miss out on revenue by not having the podcast on YouTube. And that's just such a an untapped market for business owners, I think, who seem to have an association with YouTube being for creators. It's for people who cut up things and film them in slow motion. It's for people who like vlogging. It's for people who like Mr. Beast to build crazy sets and, and get people to do crazy games. But actually, like the market on YouTube to be able to make money through the creator scheme is insane i'm in the, this world at the moment right where my kids are just switching onto youtube they want to watch certain youtube channels and i supervise it obviously but they show me stuff uh, and the algorithm slowly shows them things right and um, one of the channels they like watching is a channel that showcases products that people can buy but they're really silly products but they have this team of actors like young, late teens, early 20s, who all dress up in these bright outfits and they create these stories around these products. Like, uh, one's like they found a cave girl in the back garden, so they bring her in and she's got hair and dirt all over her face and bad clothing and stuff. So they're going to clean her up and give her a makeover. And so, like, they get these wipes and you can buy these wipes. They never show you the retailer where you can buy it from. It's But it looks like an infomercial. And the kids love it. They absolutely love it. And just, like, diving a little bit deeper into this channel, like, each of these videos is maybe getting three, four million views per video and they're putting out three videos a week right so you know if you can work backwards and think okay how much would they be making just from one video yeah what's the cpm worth a, th- a thousand views is worth what about four dollars four or five dollars depending on the niche yeah you can make a living if every video had maybe thirty thousand plus views so so what's a million getting you so a million's a thousand thousand so a hundred yeah, thousand thousand. So they're getting about four hundred thousand dollars for that video over over time. Like potentially. Plus potentially marketing sponsorship. All the affiliate revenue from the products. Yeah, a hundred percent. Let's just make that super clear. Like the reason that media is useful is because you capture someone's attention and tell them about a thing, and potentially someone else who is adding value by selling that thing is going to get some sales and they make money. To be clear, that's the currency we're dealing in, is attention. What? Why is Joe Rogan's thing, like, why does that get attention? Why does, you know, buying random off Amazon and messing around with it on a camera, why does that garner attention, do you think? Well, Joe Rogan gets attention because he gets really good guests, like proper exclusive type guests on there. And they want to go on there because he's not, I don't think he's very hard on his guests. He kind of lets them come on and do their thing. Like Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg being great examples, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you, you know you know, out of maybe every 10 guests, there's going to be like a real biggie on there, essentially. But why are they interesting? What makes that person, like, could we break down the anatomy of why we would want to watch Elon Musk? Why do I get the same draw to watch an Elon Musk chat to Joe Rogan as I do from 
you know, watching some pimple popping video. Like those two things are both getting my attention. The the cat lying on its back, like laughing away as someone's tickling its belly, that gets my attention. Like why is that? Why are these things that are completely different both engaging? I think they dial into different types of need and want in the psyche, really. You know, curiosity from the Elon Musk point of view, you know, he he doesn't have his own media. He doesn't come out and talk often. He'll choose what platform to come and talk about his ideas. And when he talks about his ideas, they're crazy. He could get himself in trouble. Being on the Joe Rogan podcast when he when he like lit up a joint is a great example of that. You know, all that, that value was slashed off of the Tesla shares after that. You never know what's going to happen next. You know, he, he, uh, at the Tesla uh, event, he, he smashed a, a sledgehammer into the screen of the car and the window screen and nothing happened, right? <laughs> like just these crazy weird things happen in the world of Elon Musk. So I think. So it's the anticipation there. Yeah, I think so. There's a curiosity element there, but also I think from the the, <laughs> the Doctor Pimple Popper style videos that you talked about, you know that that's that's just providing a scratch uh, to a niche that people might have. It's just like unadulterated, no thought pleasure there in in kind of watching something get. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's just weird. <laughs> it's a dopamine hit, Sam. Right. That's all it is. It's a dopamine hit, right? Just in the same way shopping is, right? So why are people going to listen to us like that? I think I think that's where my lenses are. I'm like, okay, I want to decode the matrix over here, which is so. And and let's just be really clear: like we're talking about the top point one percent, and that's not exaggerating here because I'm going to give you an example in a minute of my mate who's got a podcast which is in the point zero five percent of top podcasts. It's sponsored; has been sponsored from the get go. It's part of the HubSpot Podcast Network, and you'll never have heard of it. It's like the bar for success is pretty, you know, or the success we're talking about is pretty damn high. So in my head, I'm like, how do we decode that and apply it to what we're doing? And how do we make it so that even if what we're doing isn't at this level of success, it still gets us like towards where we want to go, towards the goal? So that, that's why I'm asking you the question. Like, let's break down these things and then apply it to ourselves. We don't want to aim for Joe Rogan level of success. You know, it would be nice to have it on the wall and think, no, no, I don't think so. I think it's more realistic to think like a micro-influencer, you know, because the Joe Rogan level of success, that's pop culture, right? That's where you're so incredibly well-known. People know you on TV. He's known for his MMA stuff or comedy stuff or whatever. The occasional bit part he's had in a movie, I'm sure, here or there or whatever, YouTube, obviously, like that, that's like popular culture stuff, right? But I think media is moving more into micro-influencers ruling the world. You know, there are people you've never heard of who are absolute legends in their communities because of the things they know, right? Like in your world, who is someone I would never have heard of who is really well known in the the kind of the engineering world? Uh, and like, and everyone in your 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 clique will know who they are. I don't want to say because everyone I everyone that's coming to my mind at the moment works on super secret military stuff. And I, <laughs> I, I don't I don't want to be like of oh, this. But everyone person. would know who they are. Yes, yeah. There's probably literally in the sort of domains I work in. You're talking like less than a thousand people that know the stuff, and there's like less than ten people who are like shit hot. And that's in the world. <laughs> yeah. And you can service a small group, but have incredible influence. 
you know, and that is the rise of the micro-influencer. That, that's why anyone listening to this shouldn't be stopped from thinking, ah, I can't do it. I'm not going to go and get at that level of those guys because you, you, can, you can become really well-known in your niche, right? This is really good because I think those people have got that universal fame that we're talking about where you say, no, that's the size of the pie. They probably started, as you just described, so it's not a uh, zero to greatness, it's a zero to one. This is useful. Who are we serving? Like, what and why are they going to listen to us then? So who are the 100,000, you know, 1,000 true fans, as Kevin Kelly would say, that we want to help and why are they going to listen? How are we going to help them specifically? I'm sorry, to, I'm putting you on the spot here. Like, come on, Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine and I, I, I just think this conversation is is just brilliant really well I, I think uh to get the answer let's look at dream do you know who dream is no you won't dream is in the bed dream mattresses no? absolute massive youtuber i got like four or five million followers not as big maybe as mr beast or pp uh, die or i can't i can't I can't even say his name anymore. Uh, Minecraft. Yeah, he's absolutely massive in the Minecraft world. So Minecraft is a massive market. Yeah, now it is. Relatively, but it's still, yeah, okay, so it's niche. Yeah. And and how are, which part, segment of the market are they helping? 31 million subscribers. Oh, okay, so he's got 31 million. I thought it was, I thought it was five. Okay, that's insane. Okay, so that's just taking it up to the next level. 115 million views on this top video. So based on the figures we were just talking about, 100 million, so that's 10,000, thousand. Is that right? I love it when you do your maths in your head. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Is that, uh, my maths is crap as well. Like, that's... <laughs> they, is he making like 40 million pound off that video? No. Four million pound. But he's done all of this over the past two years without ever revealing his face. Yeah, he's got a stick, like a drawing on paint. Yeah. So he unmasked himself last week, week before. So he went and did a video. Is it like a 40-year-old dude? No, he's a very good-looking young man who, you know, is clearly a great creator, really interested in this world. And he went to the next step, right? He had created such an amazing community, meeting people online, playing Minecraft online, you know, virtually. No one had ever seen his face. And he made the decision to unmask himself so he could start connecting with his community, right? And that's essentially, like, the the reason. We should all learn from that because if we want to do really well at the content that we're putting out... Should we be wearing masks right now? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> See, previous story about weird masks on the shelf. <laughs> no, it's the, it's about connecting with your community. And, you know, he had the ability through the game, the content that he was creating, to connect with the community, being a gamer with them and everything like that. And being able to feedback off of them, find out what content to create, learn with them, laugh with them, play with them, cry with them, all of that, you know, has kind of led him to moving to those next steps and... We need to be doing that, going out into the community, talking to actual real people, finding out what they want, bringing more people on to interview and going from there. You know, I don't think you can just rock up with a show or podcast or anything and say, well, like me, love me. We've done the first few episodes. I'm hoping people are binging them and they're getting the vibe of what's going on. But the next step, and this can be applied to any business doing anything right it's just to go and get customer feedback and that's the next steps for us i can tell you from experience like me love me was my dating strategy as a uh, 17 year old did not work uh, uh, so uh, so yeah that 
that's a bad move, right? So I've, I've got, I got some questions. Like I was like, this we need to answer on the podcast. I've got what's our vibe, what's our niche, actual real people that we actually really talk to. I've got written down. Like who are they? Because this is whenever I'm like interrogating a startup and. I've started giving out venture capital, which is something we'll talk about another time. Not a lot of money, a little bit. Lend us the quid. Fancy. I'll give you a quid, yeah, uh, for 10% of your business. Oh, okay, noted. I, I asked the question that I wish someone had asked me when I was taking money early on, which was, can you please give me the name of the 10 people you're talking to about your product right now and what they're telling you when they can't produce a list of these 10 people i'm like go find those 10 people and then we can chat again because because you do need that so i've wanged on a million times going yeah we're, we're gonna go from this hundred thousand six figures to the seven figures like that's what we want to talk about kind of because that's what i'm like really interested in is breaking down that mechanism but i guess who are the people like could we name 10 people i'm thinking i interviewed millie the other week Tamati, she's doing that at the moment with Generalist World. So that, there's one. Go on, you can do one now. <laughs> well, I do have a very loyal little community from the Supercharger website world. Little community. <laughs> yes, I'm pretty much guaranteeing that Sarah from Friends and Canine Dog Treats is going to be listening to this. She's like one of the, the best startups turned into big startups I've, I've been able to work with over the past couple of years. And she's a great example of the type of business owner. We'd be helping who... And what does she sell? Dog treats, natural dog treats. E, it's just e-com. Yeah, e-com, so she uses WooCommerce to do that. It started out as a side hustle for her kitchen table business, you know, at night while she did a sort of project management job in the daytime. And then she was able to sell enough treats, get enough interest via a Facebook page, then turn that into a website, then make enough money on the website to say, do you know what, I'm going to stop the day job. And then she's turned her house into a sort of semi-business, semi-living place. Uh, you know, she's got sheds in the back garden to store products. She's She's got a connection of amazing suppliers. Is she going to be okay with you, given the inside scoop on how she, her business operates? I've interviewed her before. Yeah, yeah. So this is nothing she's not... We should get her on. Yeah, it's nothing we've not spoken about before. But she's at this place now, when we last spoke about a year ago, where she doesn't want to grow massively. She's quite happy at like... Lifestyle business. A certain level. Yeah, absolutely. But how does she get more out of what she's doing? You know, and like someone like her listening to this could probably learn a lot from the optimization stuff that we're talking about, but might get interested. Sorry, Sarah, if you're listening to this, to maybe push it out to the next level, because I'm constantly banging on at her about that, so... Yeah, and delegate. So, so this is interesting because I'm in a business group that's all blokes. And I'm I'm saying that because it's just a group of mates that have kind of invited other blokey mates. And that's the vibe. Because I was, as you were talking, then I was thinking, do you know what? Like, I was going to say a really controversial statement, like, women are better at business in so many regards, because typically, ugh, this is such a sexist thing to say, I'm not being sexist, but like, we'll listen, and we'll engage and we'll figure out what needs to be done. Whereas blokes are smart asses typically and know it all like I'm massively stereotyping. But that's my experience of the clientele I've worked with is that blokes are harder to work with typically, whereas women will like learn, I'm digging myself a hole here, aren't they? But then I'm thinking about these people that you mentioned, well, Sarah that you mentioned, Millie, like 
okay, yeah, growing these businesses, lifestyle, and they go, but the same, I've seen the same problems in this blokey uh, WhatsApp group that I'm in that we meet every couple of weeks. We're, we're all in the same space where crucial to the operations of our business. And ultimately, we're trying to find that second in command, that person we can offload to. And that's exactly the conversation, actually, Wednesday night this week we were having, was one of the fellas is has got a life-changing contract, like the make-or-break contract on the go. He's having a few operational issues, and he's like, it's all me, and I need to find someone to like help here because otherwise like if i'm sick if I go on holiday like he's on holiday he's like i don't i don't know if this is okay so after my like unnecessary de- wondering whether it was related to what sex you are deviation like i think that's one of the key problems we're talking about solving is replacing yourself in your business or building a business that doesn't need you yeah it's one of the bigger ones <laughs> I think as well, it's definitely something I just see again and again in at my level when I'm mixing with the, the people at my level in various groups and, and masterminds and stuff over the past couple of years. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm hoping um, we'll be able to find those people because we know them because we we are them, you know. And th- that for me, like compared to perhaps previous podcasts that I've produced or been part of, I'm going to be taking these episodes out and like giving them to people, sending direct links, saying, I think this might be really useful. Let me know what you think. Can we break down like what are, let's do the Alex Hormozzi thing that we discussed last episode. Like what are the 50 or 100 problems and then how are we going to solve them that these types of people have? Like we did two of them, like replacing yourself in your business or starting a business that doesn't need you. Like off the top of our head, what are the biggest problems that we see in these types of businesses? In my world, because I'm the marketing one and you're the engineering one, right? So in my world, one of the biggest problems I see is in marketing in particular is making that business business owners deciding to make that step to scaling their marketing through advertising. What are the problems with that? Well, it's, it's a cash flow thing. So they don't want to invest because they can't see the, the ROI. But then weirdly, they're, they're really happy spending 10 hours a week posting posts on Facebook, right? So it's just a bit baffling why the perception of time and the cost of ads is perceived like very differently. And I know we've talked about that a little bit like that that perception of, of value and that, that's just what from an advertising marketing point of view just what I run into again and again is business owners deciding what the the value of something is will you sell 10 of your two quid products or will you create 10 lifetime customers where you'll be able to sell a thousand to two thousand pounds them over the years like that that's the thinking that business owners need to get into and I think if you are starting out especially in a new sector in a new vertical whatever is that it's, it's hard to see the twenty thousand foot view of that I want to come back to that finance thing but I just want to probe like one layer deeper just scratch away at this a little bit more like we said last week when we we're talking about the Alex Hormozzi offer like offers so good that you feel stupid saying no so why what is the objection that people have to spending on their marketing it's out of their control it's just the risk isn't it yeah it's risk it's out of their control it's the, it's the risk that it might not work they have to trust people who don't necessarily work in their business or invest in people and employ them and then there's a risk there because you're you know you're looking at previous results but you don't quite know if they're gonna deliver for your business yeah I just think it's 
It's the lack of control. This is awesome because the first thing I wrote down when I was thinking, what do you like, write down? Vicky's, Vicky's going to ask me in a minute, like in engineering, in your sort of world, what's the, the biggest problem? And the first thing I wrote down was financing large projects ah. because the sort of projects I work on, they typically six, 12 months and it's a team and you know, you're a lot of money and you usually have to get external finance. And it's the same issue. It's like, it might not work when we're done or it might only work a little bit and we might not get our money back. And that's ultimately like the, the big risk. And, and what I also wrote down was, this is the difference between like being a freelancer or a contractor versus being a business owner. A business owner, it's not like all that money is assigned and going out. It's like, no, no, a portion of that has to be assigned to, I'm going to call them experiments, just to get an answer. Like you've got to assign a portion of money to just risk and saying yeah that that money's gone and we might not get anything back from it or we might only just get back an answer which is that's a bad idea and you need to accept that like a portion of your money is going to go on bad ideas if you're going to grow your business like a lot of it is we say like why are contractors and consultants worth the money it's because they know how to read the map but at the same time all they can really say is well this is the general direction but we can't guarantee there won't be traffic lights or floods or landslides along the way like you're still gonna have to pay for fuel in the car to get there like we can tell you the directions though yeah i think that that's just such good insight there and it just keeps coming back to what we were saying when we first kicked this podcast off in one of the first couple of episodes, which is you've got to test, you've got to be brave enough to go and test. I think you've got to have the foresight to know when something's not working or be able to keep giving something a go without losing your nerve. With the reviews that we do and the businesses that we talk about, I feel like that's just a theme in this podcast that we can keep coming back to over potentially hundreds of episodes. <laughs> There's always businesses out there who are doing things that we can comment on. And I think once we get out of the weeds of like, what is optimization and how does it work for us? And da, 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 we'll be in the, the content in this podcast will probably be twofold. It'll be what's going on in our personal businesses that we're doing to optimize stuff. And then what's going on in other people's businesses, whether they're well known or whether they're people who like Sarah, who are listening to this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. As we resolve or talk about these problems that other people have, we can turn that into solutions. So we can start to say, you know, like if delegating is the problem that you're facing, well, how to finance your virtual team or how to finance your virtual assistant to, you know, because if cash flow is the problem, like that sounds like the answer we want to give is we want to say, okay, well, here you don't have to pay for it all at once. So we've got Growing your remote team, cash flow is a big one. Cash flow for growth sounds like a big one. Risk for growth, like how do you manage risk? There's so many good topics to come out. And I also I want to talk about teams and the human element as well, because that's really on my mind at the moment. Obviously, I was talking about how I've been becoming a better delegator since that episode, actually things have taken a good turning in my business. So I probably will come back and, and talk about that. But that that's going to be really important, I think, to focus on as well. I'm going to get that down as like another problem that we want to talk about solving is, okay, so there's a, this objection like, yeah, I, I need to delegate to someone else, but how much does it cost and what does that look like? And then also, what do I actually get them to do? And then how do I manage what they're doing? So I'm, I'm writing all these down as topics we want to talk about. Because what I am dying to do is get into the nuts and bolts of I've been getting deep into content lately and about how you automate out of it. And I want to be like, oh, right, there's this common problem that we all have, which is to put social media content out there. Like, how do we do that super efficiently? And I don't just want us to talk hypothetically like about the importance of these things. I want us to give tactical advice on 
no, here's a tool, here's a hack that we figured out and it'll save you a, a bazillion hours. Okay, I can explain some things now, right? Because we were talking at the top of the episode about like our process and everything, right? But I think we made it sound, well, you made it sound a little, a little bit too easy there, right? Because we're bringing both of our experience of like our knowledge and talking everything like that. And plus the fact that I do quite well in the online space. I've produced a few podcast episodes. I do a lot of content for clients, right? So we, as you, to your point, we rock up, we have our ideas, we sit down on Riverside like this and we record them. And then they go off to our brilliant editor who edits them. After that, we get the episodes back <laughs> and we go through, do a review. I listen to mine on double speed. I don't know what you, you do if you listen to them, but just listen in case there's anything a bit odd that we might need to cut out. And then I write my notes up and I take my notes and I put them into jasper.ai and I get Jasper to help me rewrite my notes into something that's a little bit more optimized for YouTube because there's an AI writing tool and it's got a recipe in there for YouTube headlines, YouTube descriptions, YouTube scripts. I'm sure there's more as well. I'm the type of writer where I can write, I write really well, but I love prompts to get me thinking. And I think that's what Jasper's really good for. So it will output some content. Oh, I don't quite like that. I'll slightly rewrite it. And then I take the premise of the episode and put that into the titles and get Jasper to output like maybe 20 titles. And I look through them all and to see which one probably would catch someone's eye if they were scrolling in YouTube and thinking, yeah, actually that would be really useful for me. So that saves a lot of time being able to do that. And at some point that can easily be delegated out because we'll be able to have it if this then that type recipe in terms of how one would choose a title how important do you think that is because oh it's the 80 20 rule again sam it honestly getting the title right and the thumbnail right every creator talks about how important this is even um mr beast was saying on the well he was at vidcon talking about it talking about it on my first million podcast they have a team who put their thumbnails together and write the headlines, like a whole team. I guess what uh, what I'm trying to say is, I'm not saying that it isn't important. I'm not saying that it doesn't have an impact on how the uh, you know the algorithm deals with it and and the potential, and and that compounds over time. So like you know, an extra ten percent uh, interest on your savings shouldn't be overlooked. But I guess what I'm trying to drill down to is the important bit, like is that initial investment into a savings account, like. Yeah, okay, you, the, the amount of interest you get on that is proportional to how good your thumbnail is and, and how good the title is. But the important bit really like, is the investment itself, the, the, the amount that gets put into the account. And what I'm getting at is like, as recording the episode and it being about interesting stuff is the most important bit and it being out there is the most important bit. I'm not saying the other stuff isn't important because... Where my head's at, and the reason I'm saying this and making this statement is because I was writing down these notes and I was like, what's an interesting thing to happen? And I was like, well, an interesting thing is like a million pounds on fire. An interesting thing is like someone building an aeroplane. And like these things are interesting and that will trump any tactic uh, tool, like little optimization, I guess is, is like the the interest of it. You don't think so? No. Like, I'm not saying that's not important. <laughs> no, okay, okay, question, question. How many videos do you think are uploaded to YouTube every hour? Uh, brr, 
every hour, 60 seconds, 60 minutes, 3060, every second. I reckon every second there's probably like a couple of uh, millions, maybe tens of millions, 10 million, 360 million an hour, maybe. Guessing accurately is not the game here. (laughs) Nine million videos an hour. Nine million an hour. That's a lot of videos. Yeah, that's a, quite a few videos, right? So there is um, there, there is a real importance in standing out in this space, especially when you look at our video. Our, uh, right now, we've only just launched, as of recording this, we've only just launched the other episodes, right? But looking at the traffic sources of our videos, half of our, the views that we've had are from YouTube search. So we are really reliant on YouTube to recommend our videos to people and half the views yeah so everything else is like external or people have come via the channel page or something like that so half are from recommended content so that thumbnail is everything that is the reason people are going to go oh yeah I'm quite interested I might go and have a look at that and then you can get people in make sure that there's a good hook in the title, a good hook in the beginning. On that basis, it should be a nude woman. Like, that's... <laughs> that, or, or a woman in a bikini. Like, that's the most... Surely, like... Yeah, but but no, because then Sarah from Friends and Canines wouldn't be clicking on that, would she? So we, we sort of have to think about... I tell you what, at the moment, the thumbnail that all of the creators are doing, and I'm, we're going to do this in the thumbnail and test it out because this is what optimization is about. Everyone's doing a um, a graph that looks like this. So it's their YouTube growth or something like that. And there's a graph. This is going to ruin the camera, isn't it? And they're like going like that. So I'm going to like... Yeah, sounds good to me. <laughs> and um, everyone's doing that type of graph at the moment. You know, and like it, it piques interest. You know, it's like a graphic that suggests... Do you want to find out more about this one thing? And yeah, it is really important if you want to get found. It is really important. So you'd think, well, the content's really good. People will come and find me. But the same with any podcast, <laughs> as Adam Buxton says, you're just putting one more podcast into the giant podcast bin. Right? You have to work it to, to get found. Go and build up that community. Do the hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, okay. So, so pe- people click for the thumbnail and the title. People stay for the content. I guess. Okay. I, I think, yeah, what's going to happen naturally in terms of monetization is that there are tools and hacks and platforms and merch and all sorts of things that we really like that we'll want to pass on to people. And we we should be thinking about ways to integrate that. And the products and, and tools that we decide upon should be really useful. We should be able to give things away with that as well okay yeah i'm with you i'm with you okay well thank you if you you got to the end and please do ask questions in the comments and tell us what was good bad and different yeah it's a bit of a different chat today and give us some hate if you didn't like it that would also be good we'll remove stuff like that 